Hey, and welcome to the Hot Air podcast from Watchful. I'm Steve Burge, and I'm here with my colleague Vic. On today's podcast, we're talking with Kimberly Lipari. She's the CEO of Valet, which is an agency that focuses on WordPress support and development. She's also one of the lead organizers for WordCamp US. This year, the event is going entirely online for the first time, and we chatted with Kimberly about the challenges of moving such a big event online. Yes, yeah, Steve, Kim is just so energetic, and it's really great that she's putting all that effort into WordCamp US. I also love this pod for like tons of other reasons. Kimberly is incredibly self-aware and engaging. I feel like we've known each other for years, even though we just met today. As a CEO, I really enjoy the personal approach she takes at Ballet, both with her team and with her clients. We chat about the importance of connecting with people and being vulnerable, how Ballet has grown and contracted over the years, and how they see themselves as a non-traditional partner to their clients. I hope everyone out there takes a moment to sit back and enjoy this fun, fireside-style conversation. That sounds awesome, Vic. Let's jump in. Hey, Kimberly, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. So we've bumped into each other at a whole bunch of WordCamps over the years. You're based in Louisiana, right? Yes, I am, right outside of New Orleans. And you run an agency called Valet, which is, well, it's not quite an agency, right? Not quite, not quite. Uh, If I had to put a box around it, I'd say that we are a professional services company that offers a lot of agency components. So consultation, uh, development, ongoing support and management for businesses who run websites on WordPress. So what kind of customers do you normally have? What kind of customers does Valet deal with on a day-to-day basis? Our primary touch points for our clients are marketing positions within a business. Uh, We work very well with small to medium businesses in various verticals and with larger organizations, nonprofits that are trying to outsource some of the tech work so that they can lean in on their missions. Okay, so the name Valet kind of describes what you do. You're a a helper, you're an, an assistant, you help people do the marketing or tech jobs that they need to get done. Yes, exactly. That's the primary mission that we have is just to be of help and to try and find the best solutions, uh, scalable and sustainable solutions for our clients. Kimberly, what do you think are the, or why, why do you hesitate to call yourself a true agency? I mean, if you're doing all those agency type things, what are the, what are the differentiators? What do you think from a typical digital agency? I don't really have a good answer for that, Vic, to be honest. <laughs> the, the space that we fill is one where we primarily try to, as I said, to be of help and we can mold ourselves to our clients' needs. So instead of having a very formalized productized list of this is what we do and this is what we don't, uh, we can say we operate in these specific areas and there are boundaries within that that we won't be able to help you with. So it's kind of hard to, I guess, to call yourself an agency because a lot of people think that agencies are full scope, top to bottom. And we like to focus in on very specific parts of the website health. So for example, we don't provide top to bottom SEO. We don't provide top to bottom design. So I think agency inspires a connotation of kind of everything all in one package. And we don't believe that working that way is the best for our clients. So how did you get to this point? From talking with you before, I think you were an engineer before you got into the WordPress world, right? Yes, I was a drafting engineer. I used to design subdivisions and do engineering plats and all of that kind of good stuff. Oh, okay. So if you drive around New Orleans or some parts of Louisiana, you might see some neighborhoods that you've been responsible for building? 
Very, very small towns outside of New Orleans. Um, the, my primary work when I was in college was was doing subdivision flats. Yeah. Oh, awesome! So you came from a like a mathematical, very hardcore engineering background, or you're more of kind of artistic architectural mind. So maybe it was kind of in between. My degree is actually in industrial technology and construction supervision. So I, I double majored there and I did a lot of management courses, uh, time and procedural things, but also fluid hydraulics and welding and architecture. So it was a, a very big mix of sort of managerial and task-based stuff. So what you're saying is you didn't really have a list of items you did and didn't do. You were just trying to help in the best way. Are you sensing a theme, Vic? I'm, maybe I'm maybe life is a meeting school. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> hey, just trying to be helpful, right? Right, exactly, exactly. Was it a fun job? Was it an interesting challenge to be putting up these subdivisions? Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. I worked on paper and on a screen and to watch things go from a digital copy and lines that I'm drawing on paper to be approved at district water drainage and, and all of these other types of meetings. And then I can drive by, you know, once our civil engineering company had finished all the plots and got them approved and watch construction begin on, you know, a place that was going to house homes and people's and families. So it was, it was very, it was very fun. I really enjoyed the, the stretch of the project from one into another. Kimberly, uh, I'm guessing just because these tasks tend to be separated at engineering firms, that there are other people doing the lead generation, the sales, the marketing. Maybe that's not accurate, but I think now you, I'm guessing you have to do some of that yourself, or maybe you do a lot of that internally. Is that accurate? And, and how do you push your, you know, promote yourself as this outsourced IT, not do everything, but do lots of things for you kind of company? Right, right. Well, I think that it all begins with relationships in engineering for sure, but then it also kind of where, where we are. We have uh, a very unique position that we fill and oftentimes our peers, we fill holes for our peers in the WordPress space, uh, product owners or even large development companies who don't want to carry on support after a project is done and things like that. So um, by staying, staying friendly and kind of communicating our urge to help and being able to do so, uh, has that's probably what's netted us the most uh, referrals and our best clients over the years. We've talked before and you make a habit of trying to inject quite a bit of your own personality, I mean, your own self, in terms of reaching out and touching the people you're talking with in your newsletters and your communications, right? You make it a a big deal to actually show some Kimberly inside Valley, right? Uh, what you're doing, what you're up to, what your family are up to. I do. I do. And I tell you what, I am one of those people that I am always there for the deep conversation. I am always there for the hug at the end of, <laughs> at the end of an introduction. I'm not incredibly great at small talk. I love hearing about people talk about themselves and what they're doing. You know, I, I, I like the heart and soul of it all. And I believe that, I believe that sharing who we are is so important. So if you're dealing with Valet, either as a customer or maybe you're getting the Valet newsletter, you're going to be getting a lot of Kimberly in that relationship. You're going to get a lot of everybody on our team. I think oh, that we okay. have a kind of a culture that promotes that you can have a personality, right? That you can have, we are very relationship-based. And so you can't really have a relationship with a, with a robotic partner, right? As the boss of the company, how do you try and get that out of your team? I just do it. I just do it myself. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. I think one thing that um, I'm a, I'm a 200 hour yoga certified as of last year. And not that that means 
much uh, in the in the way of what we're talking about here. But what it does, what it did bring to me was this idea of they kind of just continuously echo this idea of giving yourself permission and giving other people permission, and not in a leadership way, but just in a again being human, giving you space and being who I am kind of way. So I try to to live that and giving myself permission. I'm actually giving other people permission. And I think that's it's the same, leadership is kind of the same the same thing, right? Same concept. So if you're sharing photos of your your family life, of your pets, of what you did on the weekend, you're automatically giving your team permission or maybe even your customers permission to talk to you in the same kind of friendly manner. Absolutely. Uh, recently, I've started adding some personal blurbs to the top of our newsletter that we send out every week, just introducing the idea that the feelings and, and deep emotions of things kind of happening across the world right now are affecting us all in different ways. And I've gotten more than a handful of personal replies back, people sharing their own experiences and where they are right now. And it's been it's been wonderful to see. Kimberly, I, uh, I coach at the local high school here. I live uh, outside Milwaukee. And uh, I've been exploring goals or rather uh, lessons I can take from coaching to, to business, to leadership, to you know, interacting with my team. And one of the areas I've been experimenting with is vulnerability. And mm-hmm. that's not an area that I have a lot of skill in. And I've been, I have to make an effort to show some vulnerability. Do you find that is helpful in connecting with your team, but also with your clients? It sounds like you are doing some of that already. I think vulnerability is the healing, the healing thing for everybody that's going on right now and going on within us and always. I'm a huge Brene Brown fan. She does a lot of work on vulnerability and uh, how she also believes that I got the idea from her. I'm saying this as if she got it from me. <laughs> I got it from her. But she, she's a big proponent that vulnerability is uh, kind of the bridge over the divide between all of us to a large degree. And I, I agree with that a lot. And that helps you think directly in your business. The, that, oh, absolutely! That yeah, absolutely. When you when you take down the wall of I am perfect or I am giving you direction and I'm smarter than you, right? There's a, it, these are things that we may not say, but people might infer from their own understanding of institutional hierarchy or what they've seen growing up, right? So by being vulnerable, you give them permission to feel open and vulnerable themselves. You take that fear out of the equation. So we've had a a struggle with one of our businesses over the last year or so, trying to find a voice, trying to find a a way to be vulnerable and talk about things that are important to us. We have a a WordPress plugin business, and through I guess a series of coincidences, it ended up with a ended up with a bunch of penguins as the logo, and we ended up talking about some environmental topics for the first time. And it took us about a year or so to find the right tone of voice in saying that this may be unrelated to a WordPress plugin, but we care about it. And once we went through the effort of actually trying to find that voice during our communications with our customers, we started to get more responses than we've ever had before. And now from maybe a year ago, we would send out a newsletter and it would just disappear into the void. Almost every time we send out the newsletter now, there's some kind of a personal voice in it from us and we get more responses and replies back than we ever had before. Right. You're human now. You're not just trying to sell me something and I don't have to try to avoid you and not look at you. Oh, get that email in my inbox. You are connecting to people and you are, that is a, that's a true voice that people want to hear and connect to. So yes, brilliant. 
that's a great example. We've been getting similar feedback from, uh, this is our 20th episode, 19th episode, I think we're recording right now, something like that. And I would say our biggest response is from other agency owners saying, oh, it's just, they just love hearing the success or the struggles that other people like them are having. They really are connecting more to that than our, probably our other content. And we were just talking, Steve and I, this morning about some of the the mental health issues that are important to us and uh, work-life balance and things like that. So I think in terms of, at least at Watchful, that's where our voice is kind of heading because we're seeing that, exactly what you said. People are seeing the vulnerability. They're hearing about those struggles, challenges, or successes because mm-hmm. we all have them. And yes. so I think that's a great way for these businesses to, us, our businesses to, to continue and, and not just be profit-based, you know, we're people-based, right? That's an important feature. We're unrolling the Pinterest effect and unrolling the do it for the gram, right? The whole idea that everything has got to be picture perfect and that there's a a very clean and pristine end goal in sight. And that's not the case. We are not built that way. Oh, you're making me reconsider now. I, I like to post my food pictures on Instagram. I very <laughs> oh, much like food, yes. plating, plating my food. And we had a very nice grill out on our patio last night with some friends, which was great because we haven't been able to do that for so long. Still with the social distancing, but I said, I have to post something. Uh, and so I have my you know, dinner plate and people know, must know what I'm eating, mm-hmm. hashtag. That's a real expression of who you are, though. That's, well, that's not... True. If that's all you had... And, you know, hashtag perfect steak, hashtag perfect fries, <laughs> and maybe, maybe not. But if it's how you're expressing yourself, then that's vulnerability right there. It's what you enjoy and sharing it out. That's great. I like that perspective, Kimberly. Thank you. <laughs> so, Kimberly, you went from building subdivisions to WordPress. What were the steps in between? How did you move from what I guess was a fairly promising career as an engineer to the WordPress agency world? Oh, I'd like to call it tenacity, but maybe hindsight, (laughs) I'm calling it that. (laughs) I'm a little bullheaded sometimes, and it's really hard for me to just stop and give up on some things. And uh, whenever I was in my last engineering job, they were rearranging some departments and trying to mix. I was doing some 3D scanning work, and they were trying to mix the departments with a 3D underwater hydrology scanning department, and my, my job didn't make the cut. So I found out right after that that I was pregnant and it's just very hard to get into another job where long tail projects are the norm, knowing that I would be taking maternity leave in a few months. So I opted to stay home and started working on a local co-op for local creators. And I thought, oh, I'm going to build a website. I've been doing software all my life. I've tried you know, every AutoCAD thing under the sun and done 3D work and all this stuff. So I got into it, bought a couple of products from a, a WordPress plugin shop, and then they put out a newsletter saying, hey, we're looking for support engineers. And I was like, oh, I could be helpful. I know software. Sure. Why not? And I was lucky that they took me in and, uh, and let me make a mess of their mess of their tickets for a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Cause me and Vic have been talking about ways to reach out and, and hire more women, including at watchful. And the way that you got started was simply the WordPress shop reaching out to their customers and saying, Hey, we're open. You didn't have any WordPress experience at the time and you just said, hey, I'm helpful, I'm talented, I'm skillful, I can do this? Yeah, actually, my initial letter, and it's so funny because it's actually the guy that answered my initial request to, for the job is now my co-founder, Valet. So that started, oh, wow. that kicked off oh, okay, a very... Okay. <laughs> 
a very good relationship for me. But my letter essentially went, hey, I'm good at software. I've been doing this for a little while now. And I've white screened of death enough that I haven't given up. And I fix it every time. So if nothing else, you know, I'll, I'll keep digging. And um, that was just the right message that they needed to hear. I, I don't know how I probably should have read more into that, but <laughs> no, I think you good job. <laughs> I think you've nailed it. I mean, especially for that kind of role, problem solver is the top skill, period. That's it. 100%. Kimberly, you were working for WPMU Dev. At what point did you decide to go out on your own and start your own agency? So my manager that had hired me, the support lead at WPMU Dev, um, had a side hustle. And I have a very specific skill set of organizing and architecting solutions and trying to put things in patterns and formalize and, and that kind of stuff. And then, of course, researching, troubleshooting, doesn't matter what it is. I'm kind of a, I'll go down any sort of rabbit hole and things like that. And he said, I need your skill set. So I started helping Mason out. And I mean, it was kind of a, it was a, it was a much better fit for me because he let me go in and say, no, 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 we need to fix this. And he didn't want to fix it. So we complimented each other so well in that I wanted to do all the things that he hated and uh, it was, it matched so well. And I moved into, into Valet, it was WP Valet at the time, moved into WP Valet and the rest is kind of history, a rebrand later. (laughs) So Kimberly, Valet is a team of about nine or 10 people now. What's the journey been like over the last decade or so to get here? Has Valet taken Ooh. off like a rocket ship? Have there been a lot of ups and downs? I still say that we just made it past the startup phase sometimes. <laughs> it's been almost <laughs> 10 years and it feels like sometimes we're just making it past the startup phase. We have ballooned and shrank and then grown and then shrunk back down again a couple of times over the years. We started out with just three of us. And then at one point, I think there was like 16 or 19. We had tried to incorporate a full, like a full scope dev team into the process. And that just made it really hard because it changed our business model and how we had to sell work and what we had to sustain. So we, we had to, to pare back down and, and rethink things. And then of course, uh, just as the ecosystem of WordPress has changed a lot since we came in, what the word maintenance mean, what professional services are. Uh, so we've had to kind of adjust our language and some of how we're providing and packaging our services to clients. So it's been, you know, those bumpy wooden roller coasters at the, at the park <laughs> where sometimes you're like, oh, my back. And sometimes you go, this is fun. And sometimes you go, get me off. Um, it's been a lot like that. <laughs> we talk with agency owners on this podcast, and it's interesting to see the different approaches. Some of them are very, very segmented, basically saying we offer this package X and this package Y, this package Z, you can choose X, Y, or Z. Mm -hmm. And some others like yourself take a a much broader, more customized approach to each customer. Yeah, I think uh, some of that's just in the packaging though. Uh, We actually only offer a handful of specific things. It's how you package it, I think, that makes all the difference. So we do offer maintenance, full stop right? And that's a thing, um, which is fine. And then we offer this uh, consultation, this development and support, but we don't sell it. We don't sell it as those line items. We say, we're going to sell you an hour of time. And if you want to play Monopoly or you want to get some support work done, or you want to get some development work done, you do whatever you want with your hour. So a lot of it's packaging around 
we sell certain size packages typically, right? We have some that we recommend you get one, two, or you know, you package one, package two, package three. But that allows us to communicate to someone, you can get what you need. And this is just kind of how we package it for you. How does the revenue come into Valet? Are you mostly recurring revenue people that will pay you for a fixed number of hours each week? What's the breakdown between sort of one-off work and actual recurring revenue that you can guarantee to get in the door each month? We are kind of, I want to say right about half is recurring revenue. And then I know this isn't really good math, but a third's dev and then a third's kind of other miscellaneous. <laughs> That's my kind of math. Yeah, I, I want to say like <laughs> if... We could break it down into thirds, I guess, but it's it's majority uh, recurring revenue, but then we have a very equally healthy portion of ad hoc dev work, and we have been doing migrations for a very long time, and so that the, we are we are exceptional lifters and movers, and I'm not ashamed to say that. <laughs> That's migrating from one platform to WordPress, for example. Actually, no, we do a lot of larger WordPress migrations from host to host, or helping out yeah, host to host basically, or some people who have like self-hosted versions, like uh, universities that had stuff their own servers and they want to put it on another, another platform. And so we do really well with those. So that's a that's a good portion of work that we do too. It's specialized. It's a lot different than it used to be. <laughs> <laughs> Kimberly, obviously, we're kind of in crazy times right now. Feels like at least here in America, I think three of us are all pretty. I'm Midwest, you guys are both in the South. Things are starting to open up and, and the other agencies seem to, that we've talked to on the pod, seem to have been reasonably resilient to the COVID because a lot of their clients are putting more of their business online if they can. Mm-hmm. So now that we're kind of, let's, let's kind of look past that. If you look out the next 18 months, 36 months maybe, uh, are you guys looking to grow? Are you looking to hold steady? What are your plans in the near to short term? Oh, wow. Uh, growth always, right? Always growth. So for the last few years, we've been following this model of website health. We have a pyramid. We call the hierarchy of website health. And uh, from bottom up, we believe you should build your website security, then speed, then usability, then traffic, and then conversions, right? Because you, you have to have those things in that order. If one thing fails in the stack, it kind of gets all messy. So we have been using that philosophy to drive a lot of a lot of the way that we work and to try and educate other folks that you know, maybe can't afford our services, but still want to understand how to have healthy websites. So providing an accessibility toolbar for people, for their websites to kind of help them with usability because accessibility audits are very expensive. They're hard to get remediated, you know, so, but even trying to find some way to provide intermediate services for that, you know, where we don't necessarily, we can't necessarily provide you legal protection, right? We are a a website shop, but, um, you know, so just try to expand within each of those realms, try to find a way to offer more SEO services and, and things like that to really round out that picture of what that basic website health pyramid looks like for everybody. So does that mean if I'm looking, if I'm, a, if I'm an engineer looking to make a life change or if I'm a skilled WordPress troubleshooter and, you know, should I reach out to Valet maybe and say, hey, I'm looking for work if you have some? Is that, is that what you'd say to people? Maybe the latter would be most interesting. I think at this point, the next place that we're ready to expand is going to be in our support section. And we hire, we hire WordPress professionals. We don't do a tiered system at all. The first person you get is the first person that's going to do your troubleshooting and a lot of your consultation. So uh, yeah, I mean, if you've got some experience and, and you are a helpful person, because helpful <laughs> is what we are first, good soft skills and, and do like WordPress, then yeah, definitely. So, Kimberly, in addition to running Valet, you're also heavily involved in organizing WordCamp US, right? 
I am. This year, I am part of the WordCamp US uh, lead trio. Last year, I was on the sponsors team, uh, but this year, I am, I'm helping out in a you different got capacity. I, I don't know. Is that what <laughs> they call it? <laughs> no, absolutely. I did. I did. In open source, your, uh, your reward for doing a great job is more work is my experience. So uh, congratulations and thank you, I think, are in order. <laughs> <laughs> What's it going to look like? Because people aren't actually going to come to St. Louis this year, right? No, no. We're so disappointed, to be honest. It was a heartbreak. I think the you kind of felt it, the pulse drop a little across the entire team because we're all very much, I mean, the WordPress community is just, they're really close and they really enjoy that connectivity. So uh, yeah, we're online event this year. Uh, we're in the process of trying to figure out exactly what that looks like. We should have call for sponsors going out within the next week and uh, we'll be launching ticket sales in a few weeks. How about speakers? Uh, any any early decisions you can share? I can't tell you that. <laughs> you know better. <laughs> Thought you know I'd better. ask. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're still we're still in um, evaluations for those. So it feels like a very interesting phase for these online events. If you went to a a big conference, it might be WordCamp US, it might be WordCamp Europe, DrupalCon, any similar conference. You probably knew what to expect because those conferences have been running for 10 or 15 years. But the online event space, because so many of these conferences are having to move online quickly, seems much rawer and lots of things need to be figured out. Yeah, yeah. In fact, I kind of wonder um, if us being so late in the year, we weren't lucky enough to be able to learn from so many other camps that are are pivoting to online. So we've taken a lot of cues from um, some of the larger U.S. camps that have that have taken place this year remotely, and we've taken a lot of cues from Europe as well, or Camp Europe. Yeah, I've seen some tools now where you can even have like an online sponsor room, and you can kind of virtually wander around and chat to the sponsors during the online meeting. And there's a lot to be discovered, I think, in terms of how the online events run, in terms of the pricing. I know DrupalCon is going for $250 or $300 for its online conference, for example. My goodness, really? Yeah, I'd be interested to see how that works out for them. Yeah, because we're giving our tickets for free this year. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, that's, that's the WordPress way, I guess. But then you have to figure out what value you can provide for sponsors, right? To get decent sponsors in the door? Yeah, yeah, that's very difficult um, because that's the main driver of we are self-funded. So uh, the initial kind of feedback that we got from some of the sponsors who had participated in other camps, you know, just trying to, to build on that. How do we get you better, more quality leads and, you know, make sure that you're well represented and you give a chance to, given a chance to express your personality as a company in that context too. So, I'm going to try and take a lead from you and try and be helpful. Is there anything people can do to help out WordCamp US as you guys have so much on your plate for this year? If you're interested in being a volunteer, that's always helpful. I mean, we're we're not quite sure what that space is going to look like yet, but we'll need room moderators and things like that. Anybody that wants to kind of be involved in that process. We might have space for a couple of designers. I think our team has taken a, quite a shift moving online because everyone's respective personal lives have changed as well with the landscape of COVID, not just WordCamp US. So it's not too late to, to offer to be a part of the program and share 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 when you follow us on twitter follow us on facebook and when you see anything share and help us get the message out i think we just hit some milestone i can't remember what it was seven thousand maybe followers on twitter so let's grow it please yeah hey we'll drop a link in the show notes to your social media account and to wordcamp us as well so kimberly where can people follow you wordcamp us and valley 
Oh, Valet is on Twitter. We are on LinkedIn and uh, you can find us valet.io uh, on either of those. WordCamp US, same um, on Twitter. And uh, me, I'm Kimberly at Kimberly LaPerry on Twitter. Just my name. I'm not incredibly active, but reach out, DMs and, and all that stuff. I'd be happy to talk to you. Awesome. All the best with Valet and WordCamp US this year. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. It was so good to talk to you, Steve and Vic. Thanks, Kimberly. Take care.